This week on The Native Immigrants, we're going to revisit one of our previous episodes on organ donation. After an incredible story from one of our amazing listeners, we look back at the show and discuss the lack of donors from our community and aim to raise more awareness. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. And so in terms of like your life's decisions, Jojo B. Yeah. Like you've had some like really high hits. Yeah. And you've had some really low misses. What? Have so I? You've had some pretty low moments, like, you know, deciding to support Newcastle. Yeah, being one of them. Excuse me. Or um, opening up a kitchen page on on Insta. <laughs> um, yes, that might have been one. Yeah. The highs, though, have involved you marrying yours truly and bearing my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which which is definitely up there. Yeah. One one so happened tonight when you decided that we need to get a Thai takeaway, and I'm telling you, the way this takeaway hit the spot tonight. <laughs> is unprecedented because yeah, like, people have their meals and people have like you know takeaways or go out to lovely restaurants and you know or, or just a lovely home-cooked meal that you would have prepared for us and slaved away in the kitchen to make and it's amazing and they're all like you know delicious concoctions mm. but oh my god i'm telling you like i'm i was starving at this point and you know sometimes when you like you, you you're just so hungry and you you look forward to something and then it, it, it turns up but it never quite like connects you've gone past that stage of hunger and you're just like i'm not hungry anymore i feel a little bit sick actually yeah my stomach shrunk as well yeah and so then you don't really want to eat whatever you've bought or made by that point because it's just too late now exactly yeah i hate that feeling this was not the case on this occasion because i'm telling you the man i was before that meal and the man i am (laughs) after that meal are gulfs apart such a drama queen. I'm not even li- honestly. I would. I. I feel. Re- I feel. I feel You're revitalized. Such a Leo. Rejuvenated. Oh my god. I'm like god, you know drama. like you know when Mumra. You know when like before he like you know where he's like that kind of decrepit carcass looking, <laughs> like you know just walking around like just not just hobbling around his big castle. Mumra. And then the way he is after like he gets like revitalized and he's just like I am Mumra. <laughs> That that's that's me from one side to the other. Everyone's been you know pushing that sweet Squid Game meme at the moment, you know, like of um, uh, Ilnam. Uh, yeah, and he's like, you know, like the the moment where he's like all happy when he's doing like the uh, red light green light <laughs> game, and then like the other picture is him kind of laying by himself, like yeah. sitting there by himself, and it, it's I'm like that with the other way around, obviously. Do you know what I mean just like propelled to a, an, another level of energy and, and positivity from this meal? Sometimes my ideas work out very well. They 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 normally coincide with the um, I can't be asked to cook phase. Oh my god, I really life. could not be asked to cook today. Yeah, um, which we obviously worked out perfectly for me. Not that I I hate Jojo B's cooking. I do love it. Do um, you? I mean, like 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 your life decisions. Some things are hits and some things are misses. <laughs> you know, it I, it depends on what kind of a week I'm having is what kind of a hit I end up getting. Um, but yeah. Tonight was um, tonight was very much uh, uh, a big, big, big hit in the Barracuda household. Should we give them a, a shout out? Uh, yeah, why not? You know what? Yeah, fe- you know we don't do this enough. I feel. Well, I, I say we don't do this enough is because we haven't actually been into a restaurant for about at least a good year and a half. We went once for our anniversary. Yes. Earlier on this year, and even then we were both we were both like, if you could have covered us with two massive condoms to protect us from like the evils of covid then we would have probably gone ahead and done that but you know we 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 sat there kind of just like you know sweating away kind of like oh shit we're gonna catch something i wonder if anyone knows what that reference is from yeah i know (laughs) 
Something God. tells me I'm into something, something. If you know what that reference is, I'm not even going to tell you. If you know that song and know that reference, tweet us on <laughs> at Native Immigrants with a single M on Twitter or Instagram or at Instagram at the Native Immigrants Podcast, all one word. Let us know what it is and we'll shout you out in next week's episode. Well, the next episode in a couple of weeks' time. Because, yeah, that's... Uh, there's a... that, that, that scene is in my head now. Well, exactly. Um, hopefully, it's not the scene you think about when you think of the native immigrants. Oh, God, um, no. But, yeah, so, yeah, we, we should do more recommendations for food. We haven't really gone out anywhere to restaurants. We've got a few takeaways. So, shout to Kin D, uh, a lovely Thai restaurant that's based very close to us in uh, Ricelip. And they do some amazing Thai cuisine. It was very good. I had a red curry yeah. and coconut rice. Yeah, looked awesome. Looked amazing. Um, But yeah, shout out to all the restaurants. Somehow getting back to what life was like pre-lockdown. As as and when life allows it, you will catch us at a restaurant near you. Yes, you will. Moving on to this episode of the Native Immigrants. We're going to talk about what we're going to be discussing a little bit later on this half of the show. Uh, But first of all, we do need to address and discuss the amazing feedback we received from our last episode, which was very, very heavily discussed. It was. It was really hard-hitting. It was very raw. It was something that we've spoken about many, many times. Yes. And felt like we still need to talk about. It's one of those topics that doesn't stop being relevant. I think that's the key thing. It's an unfortunate subject matter in that it doesn't, you're right, stop being relevant. And if anything, it's actually getting worse. It's uh, something that we spoke about on a couple of previous episodes. But this time round, we were lucky enough to be joined by Jit Johan, a former addict who discussed his story and his new documentary about alcoholism and addiction and raising awareness for it within the South Asian community, uh, which was a really open, honest discussion. Yeah, he talked about his own experiences. He spoke to his friends and family about their perspective on everything um, and talked to other addicts as well. And yeah, it's eye-opening and you're a- you're able to see it still, I think, and um, showing some screenings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's doing some screenings on Zoom. So there's a there's discussion afterwards as yeah, well. Yeah, there's a Q&A session after, after each screening. And as he discussed in the show, he's looking to take it out to the UK the rest of the UK in 2022 um, and also at temples and different uh, cultural and community establishments. He's really trying to get the discussion happening in the places where the South Asian community can be found. So in those kind of community centres and in the places of worship so that we can start tackling this at the very heart of our community. For sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, But the show itself was uh, an awesome episode from our end and it was reflected in our listeners who also thought the same. So we're going to speak about some of the great feedback we received. Uh, Bina listened in saying, what an incredibly open and raw episode. You've come so far, Jit, and it's amazing that you've become part of such an important conversation. The ripple effect will be huge. Uh, absolutely, 100% agree with you there, Bina. Uh, shout to Taranjit, who listened in, saying, brilliant podcast. Uh, thanks to Kuldeep for recommending. Uh, it's a highlight of the week. Thank you so much, Tamajit. He actually also went up to say, um, listening to your podcast interview now, Jit, and your story is very powerful and will save lives. Power to you in your ongoing recovery. Brilliant. Great to hear. Thank you so much, Tamajit. Kuldeep, obviously, listen to this show. She's been supporting and championing us since the month of love. Shout to you, Kuldeep. Thank you so much for listening to all our shows. And she says, such an inspirational journey of courage in the face of the unhealthy attitudes to excessive alcohol drinking that is often normalized in Asian celebrations. My father has always been teetotal, didn't ever want to drink. He would often be mocked and excluded from male circles. My husband isn't fussed about drinking either and prefers tastes of zero alcohol beers. But he also gets huge pressure to be one of the boys and drink. I'm not saying people can't drink, but the social expectation to drink makes you a weirdo if you don't drink. Absolutely. And I think we talked about that in the episode as well, about this kind of idea that it's a very British thing, but it's also a very South Asian thing to feel the need to drink and also pressure other people into drinking. Yes. Because it's like you can't 
enjoy your drink if the person next to you isn't drinking as well. Yeah. And that's that's the problem, isn't it? It's not letting people, if they want to have a drink, let them. Yeah. But don't pressure someone. You know, if someone says, no, I'd rather have a zero alcohol beer or I'd rather have a Coke. Yeah. Just let them get on with it. Of course. You know, there's yeah. never, and, I, and I've seen, I've called my own like family out on this as well before when I've seen like, you know, my dad or my uncle's pressuring somebody else to go, oh, go on, have a drink, go on, you know, you want to. Yeah, And yeah, I'm like, if they don't want to do it, why are you making them? Yeah, like, exactly. You know, they know what they want to drink. Let them, if they want to drink, they'll say yes. Of it's course. there in front of them. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen it myself and so many different events and things like that. And it's just like, you know, mind your own business, isn't it? I mean, stick to your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, shout to Gucci Memes, one of my favorite accounts on Instagram and on Twitter. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant account. If you're Gujarati especially, I suggest you follow them because it's some of the most, the funniest content and one that so many of our community can relate to on a thousand different levels. Um, but yeah, shout to them for checking it out. They said this is deep for anyone who's battling alcohol addiction or knows someone who is. Listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for sharing our show. Um, shout to Priya as well. Fantastic episode and very brave of you, Jake. Keep up the good work. Um, got a really, really um, heartfelt message from Dal Singh Daroch, who's actually the um, FA's Head of Diversity and Inclusion Programs. Oh, wow. Um, which was um, awesome to see that he checked the show out. And he said, I lost my closest cousin aged 36 to addiction 12 months ago. The most painful thing was to witness his demise, feeling helpless and trying everything to help. Asking for help is such a big issue because addiction is such a taboo. Thanks for your honesty, Jit. Um, mm. that, that was, yeah, it's it's very, very sad to hear. And his his story is similar to so many people who've encountered um, or had someone basically within their lives, close family sometimes pass away from addiction. Uh, it's something that obviously Jit spoke about and how close he was to the edge, you know, himself yeah. um, in battling this this you know terrible terrible illness. Um, Jit himself, um, after listening to the show, um, messaged us saying. Um, it's such a tough one, but for me, if the conversations around alcohol and problems it can entail were normalized, it would have made asking for help a lot easier rather than shameful. My family could better ask for advice and help and also not laughed at by the community. I think the next generation will talk more about it for sure, as they will be our kids and we will bring them up more to talk about our issues. However, I also think services need to do more in understanding the nuances between the faiths within the South Asian community. Um, that's again something that we spoke about on that show and that there are more organizations within our own community that tackle addiction. Mm. Um, you know, so Adar Mental Health, like we mentioned on that show. Yeah. Um, Nishkan Swat, obviously, I've done a lot of that with Project Recovery in the last few years. Yeah, and we've spoken about them previously. Yes, indeed. And Turning Point in Leicester um, was something that Jit mentioned as well on yes. that show. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot more organizations that are a lot more closely connected to our, our community, which means it's a little bit more of a comfortability factor for a lot of sufferers to be able to talk to and relate to someone, you know, of the same faith or the same culture um, as themselves. If those aren't as easily accessible, though, there is Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous as well. Yes. Um, who can provide support and, you know, they, they do the, um, the very famous groups that you can go to yes. and kind of and, and listen and share there as well so there's, there's a, there is support out there wherever you are there absolutely is and so if you're suffering please don't suffer alone reach out for help um what's been happening with our community Jojo? this is something i feel like i haven't really talked about with you for what literally feels like months well i mean there's not been a lot of going on and recently it's starting to open up a bit more so there is a bit more no, you know stuff to talk about but otherwise it was a pretty quiet you know year and a half <laughs> it was a pretty quiet <laughs> there was a there was a few bits and pieces which we kind of mentioned here and there obviously we had our month of love and we focused specifically on the month of love in september um and so there probably was bits and pieces going on but meh that's in the past. It now. wasn't about love. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we want to know part of it. Um, but um, we will touch on a few of those that are, that's been happening and will be happening uh, in the next few weeks. Shout to our girl, Suk Ojla, whoop, whoop. a former guest of ours who we interviewed last season 
here on the native immigrants. You know, it feels like that was years ago. <laughs> it does feel like years ago. <laughs> my God. Yeah. Jeez. I was like. Oh my God. The last two years have been like 40 years long. It does. Yeah. I, I, probably, I probably had a full head of hair the last time I uh, had that interview with Sook, you know, and, and Jojo B like. I, I was know. a young and vibrant woman. <laughs> exactly. <I know. laughs> Since then, you got you got married, got pregnant, all all changing it. Um, I got tired. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Jojo B's giving me that look, right? Because she thinks we need to get on with the show. Uh, but I spent way too long talking about the Thai takeaway. You know, you'll never, you'll never hear is the arguments that we have in between. And the um the <laughs> I'm just gonna delete it all then. Should I just delete it all? Does the Should thing... I just get rid of it then? She what? like honestly. Should I like... just delete it all? I'm just gonna delete it. <laughs> yeah, because like you know, I'll 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 like I'll always go with the flow and you just see like where's the show taking us? I'm just gonna take it to where the show's gonna take me and stuff. <laughs> and then I'll cut to a point where we have to edit something and Jojo B will just be like, That was a lot of bollocks, wasn't it? <laughs> Why'd you talk about all that? Why did you have to mention all that? Well, who cares about what we ate? Who cares about this? Who cares about that? I'm just like, well, fine then. I just delete it, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I just, I just, this the amount of great stuff that I've had to delete over the years. It's such a lie. Um, has been like, you know, it's such just, a lie. Because you know what he'll do? He'll just edit me out. That's what he does. He edits me out. Yeah, I, I, what I do, what I do is I erase the negativity out of all the shows, and so in in doing that, most of that is Jojo B's like real passive aggressive like you'd like to know what i'm doing right now i'm giving him the finger no i mean not literally and stuff like we're not that kind of couple but she what? is she is kind of like she is um giving me the middle finger and pointing it at me um the point is right the point is i was really happy that we had a tie takeaway and i'm allowed to say it on my own podcast you know uh, if pe- people who know us <laughs> do you when... know whose idea it was it was mine yeah so, but yeah. it's your idea but obviously i can't talk about it <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I have, to, I have to keep my mouth shut and just be like, I'm not even like celebrate the fact that you had a massive, great win tonight by, by making this decision. I can't even announce that to people. I can delete that and people can see us for what we really are and that you don't make any good decisions and, you know, it's all like, you know, you know one side traffic. Is he makes such a big thing out of such a small thing. Because, because it was a big thing for me. a drama queen and a Leo. No, but also there's not there's not a lot of big things going on in my life currently. Like, what's life <laughs> at the moment? Really passionate about these small. Exactly, life's just a groundhog day of like working, like trying to avoid COVID and feeding my baby. That's my day every day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and cleaning his ass. Yeah. Oh dear, the baby's ass size. Um, mine yes. as well every now and then. <laughs> uh, but like anyway, Suk Ojla, shout to our girl Suk. Apologies, Sook. Sorry. Um, we, when we spoke to her last laid. last season, uh, she mentioned that she had to postpone our whole tour because of the pandemic and because of COVID. Uh, but her tour is back on. It started in September during her month of love. Um, but she's going to have a number of dates happening throughout uh, uh, the rest of this year and into next year. Yeah. Um, and so make sure you check out her dates, follow her on all her socials and check out all the different dates that she's be, she's going to be performing at. And if you do get a chance to see her and check her out, let us know how it was. We would love to go and see her ourselves. So she's popping up to, I think, like in parts of London next year. She might even be at Hayes in January. So Maybe there's something that we can pop along and go to see. Yes, I would like to. I, I could do with a good laugh. <laughs> I mean, I give you bundles of laughs every day, fam. You know, you're, you're living with like a top top level comedian right here. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about top level comedy, I said top level comedy stroke drama. One of our favorite films of the South Asian community is now back in theaters. But not theatres like in in a cinema near you, but at the National Theatre. I think that's where it started. Oh, really? I think so. I remember back in the day, standing in my shop in Newcastle, reading Second Generation magazine. I'm not sure why it came to a shopping biker in Newcastle, but it (laughs) did. And I got very excited seeing Asians in a magazine. Um, And um, reading about this play and thinking, I need to go and see that. Yeah. I need to live in London and I need to go and see that. Mm. And then I think like the following year or two years later, it came out as a film yeah. and it was, it was massive. But um, 
Yes, I've always wanted to go and see it on the stage. Yes, indeed. Uh, we are talking about East is East, which is now at the National Theatre. And it's a reopening as part of its 25th anniversary tour. 25 years. I feel so fucking old. Are you mad, fam? So bastard old. Oh, my days. Um, because the last two years being 40 years wasn't long enough. <laughs> th- yeah. As it, we just had a conversation now when we talk about the 1970s thinking it was 30 years ago. It's not. It's almost 50 years ago now. In fact, it is 50 years. Oh, God. Jeez. Um, but yes, East is East is at the National Theatre. And in, in any other given point in time, Jojo B, we'd be going to this. Yes, absolutely. I can't imagine anyone playing, anyone else playing those roles, though. No, it's true. Because I think in the original theatre production, most of the, the youngins, in it, yeah. were then cast in the film. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Um, and so I cannot imagine anybody else playing those roles. Shout out to my boy Jimmy Mystery, friend of mine. I say friend in the like inverted commas and stuff. We've spoken a few times. Loose acquaintance. Loose acquaintance. <laughs> <laughs> I've said many times that we should get on the show. Yeah, I know. I know. He's kind of gone off and become like a farmer now. So he's he's living away from the whole grid almost in a way. Uh, but he's a Liverpool I'm fan I'm pretty sure well. he'll have Zoom though. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, um, via like a hamster wheel to like run it maybe. <laughs> But yeah, Tony Gerwardena, who's uh, in Ackley Bridge, yeah. plays George, the main role in yeah. it. I think there's a, f- there's a few cast members from Ackley Bridge actually playing some of the roles in this. Oh, is that? Yeah. Um, but it's directed by Iqbal Khan, and it is at the Littleton Theatre in the National Theatre. So again, with, because of COVID and because of our fears of being out in society, it doesn't look like we're going to get a chance to watch it ourselves. We'll just wear masks so we can go out and enjoy yeah. ourselves. Please. Anyway, yeah. I could rant about that. But yeah, but it, it means that we again miss out on a production that we would have absolutely 100% have gone to see and would have uh, reviewed it for this show. Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen for us. So if you do go to see it yourselves, well done. We're not jealous. Uh, and let us know how it is. Uh, yes. I've heard some great reviews from it from the people that have seen it so far. And no doubt will be an awesome production. Yes. So please do let us know. And lastly, there's going to be a new single coming out soon on November the 8th by uh, a South Asian rapper from the UK. Oh, who would that be then? Born and bred uh, in the mean streets of Southall. Okay. Uh, His name is Swami Barakas. Who? Well, he's a a, a yesteryear rapper. (laughs) (laughs) He's an evergreen yesteryear rapper. An Uh, old man. An old man, yes. He doesn't give it up. Clutching on to the the remains of his, you know, uh, adolescent past. Fading youth. youth. Faded youth. (laughs) He's gone. He's black and white. Do you know why Swamp Rackers doesn't release music anymore? (laughs) Is because he gets oppressed by the immediate members of his household. <laughs> I don't oppress. Um, I just give constructive, truthful criticism. I mean, just like Barry is, is another. <laughs> no, that um, I told you to release this track. The self-esteem like, from from his like you know from. His I limbs. told you to release it ages ago. Well, it's but I don't coming think it was out finished now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, told me to release. It. I hadn't fucking written it at that point. Um, but yes. The single, which I was supposed to release last year and then COVID and then lockdown happened and I couldn't make the video or shoot or do anything, is finally getting released. And it's called the appropriately titled The Native Immigrants. Whoop, whoop. No cross-promotion here. <laughs> I do not feature. Jojo B does not, no. I tried to get her to drop a verse for me, but she's like... Do you know what? That's a lie. He never even asked. It's because I know I've already dealt with enough rejection in my life (laughs) that I don't think dealing with this on top of that. I've, you know, the amount of things I've asked from Jojo B. Can I have a display cabinet for my figures? Can I? Can I? Can I I please? No one cares about what you want. Can I? Can I please have like just veneer today? I barely care what you want. Nobody else cares. So I am. Hence the reason why I decided. Do you know what? Um, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and just carry on and live my life as this like skeletal, um, like soulless spirit. Um, 
but yes, I am releasing a new single, the first one since <laughs> 2017. <laughs> first one to, since 2017. It's a long time, Jojo B. That, solo single. Is it really that long? 2017 is the last solo Swami Barakas project. Me. Yeah, since then I've done a few collaboration tracks, um, but this is the first solo Are tune. Are you sure it's been that long? I mean, <laughs> the, the pain of the last four years means, yes, it, yes, I will remember exactly when I released it because it's been... 2017 was a good year. We had some good holidays. Yes, exactly. We had some great times in 2017. 2018, our, our son was born. And um, yeah, it's been focused on parenthood ever since. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I will be releasing my new single, The Native Immigrants coming out very soon and as you can tell from the title you know exactly what this message is for and aimed at and that is our community uh something that we speak about week in week out on this podcast and i had to reflect that in my music um in that and stage wait till you see the video yes very proud of the video very proud of the visuals um shout to everyone involved uh who put helped me put that together and that will be you're out. You're welcome. Yes, you're welcome. I did, in fact, shoot some of it, yes. Uh, um, yeah, actually you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, did. I've done that. I did that in your last, was it the last one? The last single? Uh, uh, what's second to last? I think second yeah. to last. Yeah. So yeah, well done, Jojo B. Yeah, I'm quite good at this shit. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, very proud of this track. Very proud of this video. Shout to Nutty P on the production as well. Yeah all around a great project and I'm really looking forward to putting it out and getting a chance for our listeners both from the podcast and from my listenership uh, that's been following Swami Rackers for so many years um, give a chance to get them to hear some new music yes it's about time it is about time and so November the 8th please make sure you go out and support that single it'll be out on radios next week and yeah let's push push for the limits Let's get back to what's happening on this week's show. Now, we had a plan for what we were originally going to do uh, for this episode, and that got changed very late on because of an amazing message uh, that we received from one of our listeners, one of our most loyal and day one listeners, Tanbeer, who we've spoken about a few times on the first few seasons of The Native Immigrants um, because of all the amazing words of support and the messages that he'd sent to us previously uh, he even bought Jojo B a coffee once, uh, which was really, really kind of him as yes. a way of him thanking us for the work that we put into this show. And he recently shared a story on his Insta stories. He said, just over a week ago, I was in London. Before this past month, where I've been here a number of times, it had been a moment since I've been here. The reason this time is one that hopes to be a life-changing one. Why so? To give a bit of a background, this past year, I started donating blood following a decision last year to become a blood donor and opt in to organ donation. This was a choice that was that I felt like I had to take, especially after listening to this episode of The Native Immigrants. I think it was exactly four weeks or a bit later I was called to say that I'm a match and things will go ahead, and that the recipient was chosen and that they wanted my stem cells for my blood from my blood, rather than the option of actual bone marrow, which was a huge relief to me. Cut to a few days after that, I'm getting health checks to make sure everything is all right and I'd be lying if I didn't say I was really nervous since I don't remember the last time I had to get any kind of a health check. I think it was in May when I was donating blood they had asked me if I wanted to join the bone marrow register. I admit I was a bit apprehensive at first thinking about donating the marrow from my bones, the squishy stuff inside your bones, but having heard that the chance of being chosen to donate was really small, I thought what the hell let's go ahead. Come August, I receive a call telling me that they found a possible match for someone who needs a donation from me. And in September, the morning of my birthday, I gave a sample of blood that would be tested more thoroughly. I was told there might be a 10-week wait to find out if I truly am a match. It will be sometime in the beginning of November when this whole process will happen, with a process that will take a week with the first few days of me giving injections that will make more stem cells with the last few days having me on a bed connected to a machine that will take my blood out from one arm, take the stem cells out, and put the blood back in through another arm. This will take four to five hours, which is a fair amount of time, but I guess it will all be worth it. They're paying for me to stay in the hotel as well, with food being paid for, so I'm really going to live the life for those few days. So yeah, I would want to share the whole process so others can know how it will go if you're interested in going through the same journey. Well, we read that story and it, it absolutely hit me for six because 
I guess it re- reiterated and justified everything that we do with this show. Absolutely. I mean, off the back of a show that we did, he decided to become a blood donor and then an organ donor and now is going through this whole process of donating stem cells. Yeah. And it's it's mind-blowing. It's, yeah. It's... And that was just from us... Doing our normal thing, chatting. Yeah, basically encouraging and, you know, trying to raise awareness for organ donation within our community. And so what we decided to do for the second half of this show was actually revisit that episode because we covered so much and went into so much depth within organ donation within the South Asian community that it was really important for us to reiterate that same message because, you know, for one of our real core loyal listeners like Tambir to take those words on board and actually make that change. Like we could potentially touch more lives into doing the same. Mm -hmm. And we've had so many new listeners and so many people that have come into the fold listening to our show since that point that it's important for us to echo that same message and the same sentiments and open up to a a new audience almost. Absolutely. And I think that whatever we can do to help raise awareness on this again is about saving lives. And and that's exactly what Tambia is going to be doing. He's going to be saving lives and, you know, hopefully many more of our listeners can do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Huge, huge love and respect to you, Tambia. I hope you're listening. Uh, major, major kudos for making that change. Um, and it's a massive positive step in the right direction And hopefully it can encourage and inspire more members of our community to do the same. On the other side of this break, we're going to be looking at organ donation and revisit our last episode speaking about this in depth. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And this is one I think that we both feel quite strongly about, but potentially in different ways. Yes, yes, we do, I think, differ on our opinions of this. Yeah, but it is something that we we need to challenge and we need to talk about. So I've been in a conversation recently with Dhruv Mittal, the Biryani King, uh, as we like to call him. But he actually got in touch with us and wanted to highlight the story of someone that got in touch with him about some cookery lessons on Instagram. Her name is Sina Patel Mm -hmm. and her and her husband Jay have been real advocates of organ donation and raising awareness of those within our communities. Okay. Because um, unfortunately, really sadly, their son Ari passed away in 2016 from a tragic accident. And they commemorated Ari by donating his organs to seven different children in need. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely awesome. I mean, instead of giving in to grief, they took it on themselves to help other children undergoing treatment at the St. George's Hospital's Pediatric Intensive Care Unit. Uh, they also created a crowdfunding website in his name, and he raised over £33,000 to forward to the institution and another in CADA. So they're doing their part in raising awareness of something that is still very much a taboo within our communities. It really is. It really is. Here's some stats just to kind of shock you, because when I read these, I was very, very shocked. Yeah. So people from the BAME community, so black, Asian, minority, ethnic community, are three or four times more likely to suffer from organ failure. Oh, my God. They are five times more likely to develop kidney disease. Wow, okay. Five times. And if you're diabetic and from that community, you are 10 times more likely to develop kidney disease. Oh my days, yeah. Well, yeah, diabetes is such a massive issue within all our communities. Yeah, whether you're Asian, if you're black, if you're from a minority ethnic background, you are more likely to suffer from things like 
diabetes, high blood pressure. Yeah. All of those kinds of certain things. There's certain types of forms of uh, hepatitis as well, more likely to form within our community than people within the white community. Yeah, and these all have an impact on your organs. Yeah, and so obviously it makes them more likely to need a transplant. Exactly. In terms of being a patient, waiting for an organ donation, you are less likely than white patients to receive an organ donation if wow. you're from the BAME community. BAME patients have to wait an extra year to receive an organ compared to white patients on average. A year? A year. You're more likely to be waiting and you're more likely to have to wait for a year. Oh my God. This is insane. Yeah, I think people aren't really armed with this kind of information. The, the problem is, is that if you want to have a more successful transplant, it's better if it comes from within your own community. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that's why it's essential that we have this discussion and that we are trying to make it less taboo to donate your organs. Yeah, absolutely, very true. Uh, following on from that, I've got a few more stats here. Uh, three in 10, that's 31% of people waiting for a transplant across the UK are from a BAME background. There's a new report that came out from NHS Blood and Transplant, and it sets out how many BAME groups are poorly represented on the organ donor register relative to the current British population. It said that people from BAME backgrounds make up 11% of the UK population, yet the 35% of people waiting for kidney transplants are from these communities. The report said that 21% of people who died on the waiting list last year were from a BAME background, compared with 15% a decade ago. It shows that the number of BAME donors has increased, but the numbers are still very small. I mean, from last year, there were only 114 BAME organ donors. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, That's insane. It's a damning statistic and a real like, disastrous reflection on our communities in general. I just, I'm astounded by those stats. Yeah. So we make up 11% of the population, but we make up 35% of the, the... The total number of people waiting for kidney transplants in the UK. Wow. You know. Wow. There's a, obviously an a inherent problem with our, the big diseases within our communities, like diabetes, high blood pressure, issues with hepatitis. But yet we're still so underrepresented in organ donation and we're one of the biggest communities in need of organ donation in the UK. So I mean fair enough we can't do anything about our ge genetic predisposition yeah. to, to these diseases there's nothing that we can do. We could probably do more in terms of activity, but, yeah. our foods and the things that we eat obviously. So yeah those are the things that we can control diet and exercise. Yeah. Um, if, if sometimes it can be a case of you're going to get it you're going to get it but you have to try and do what you can to improve your health. Within your lifestyle, yeah. Yeah, so we have a real high prevalence of type 2 diabetes, yep. which then goes on to impact your organs massively. Absolutely. And yeah. type 2 diabetes is completely preventable. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not something that you will inevitably get. Yeah. It's something that happens to you because of your lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You can prevent it and you can, at the early stages, reverse it as well. <laughs> I think too many in our community are almost set to this is going to happen to me anyway, so I'm just going to accept it and move on with life. And that is, that's a real problem within, especially our parents' generation, because we've both had conversations with our parents recently yes. along those lines. Yeah. And we've both had to tell our parents off for thinking like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's kind of giving up and just being going, just going, oh, well, I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to carry on living really badly. Yes. You know, really unhealthily, and there's nothing I can do about anything that's going to happen to me going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nonsense. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. So that's something that we can change. Hmm. As well as changing our attitudes. Yeah, the mentalities. Absolutely. I think it also touches on the bigger issue with our communities, with healthcare in general. Yeah. Because uh, I, I remember just a couple of times that when I was doing the volunteer work at the temple yeah. over a number of years. And I used to hear like groups of like masses, you know, the auntie are basically talking, <laughs> talking together about some of their health problems and things that they were going through while I was in this tent yeah. with the number of people walking in. And they were saying things like, oh, I don't want to actually go back to the doctor in case it's a bigger problem, because then it's just going to be a bigger issue going forward. So I just avoid going to see them in case I've got something really drastic 
So it's like burying your head in the sand. Yeah, it's the whole, oh, you know, ignorance is bliss mentality. So there is a thing with our, you know, especially the older generation, about only going to see doctors when it's the last, very last stage of a very debilitating illness, rather than seeing things very, very early on, because it's wanting to avoid having to tackle something that could be much more serious later on. It's I mean, that just doesn't compute with me. It sounds like a ridiculous thing to even have to consider or think about. Yeah, but you if you, you have, but I've always been of the opinion that if there's something wrong with you, you go to the doctor because there's not meant to be things wrong with you. Yeah, you are not meant to feel ill. Your yeah. body's not meant to feel pain on a daily basis. It's not meant to feel rubbish on a daily basis Mm. if that is happening then you go to the doctor yeah but you yourself know from especially your mom and dad my mom and dad aunties and uncles you know auntie and uncles i know that have been like yeah i'll go i'll see them eventually it's probably nothing anyway i just need to you know take some antibiotics and i'll be fine yeah self-diagnosis without the need of google etc i've lived long enough i know what's best yeah and do you know what a lot of them have learned their lesson by seeing some of their family members pass away because of that yeah i've had family members pass away because they put things off to the very last minute whether that was through embarrassment yeah because it was it was in a part of the body that you don't want to talk about yeah that also you know or if it was because they wanted to just ignore the idea of it yeah and not have to deal with something like that and not have to think about the fact that it could be something bigger which it then turned out to be and it was too late then to do anything about it yeah 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 yeah. and so i think that is reducing that attitude yeah absolutely but it's still bloody there yeah, I think with with the increased the increased number of illnesses now as well, specifically within our communities, we're talking about hepatitis and like increased levels of high blood pressure, increased levels of diabetes. More and more of these things become apparent, but yet we're still not seeing the number of people then translating to become organ donors. Yeah, whether deceased donors as well as living donors. Why do you think that seems to be more of a problem? A lot of it, and you know me, I don't ever want to sound like I'm dissing religion in any way, Mm. although I'm not a very religious person myself. But I do feel that religious beliefs have a massive part to play in this. Yeah, yeah. But actually doing some research into this, the Hindu scriptures don't say anything about any of this kind of thing there's nothing that outwardly says that you shouldn't do something to your body yeah um the Sikh scriptures again do not have anything that says you cannot do something to your body or bef- while you're alive or yeah or anything like that your body for both of those religions your body is a vessel yeah, for your exactly. soul your soul needs to be released yeah exactly yeah the atma moves on yeah but yet your cocoon decomposes essentially doesn't yeah it? It's just a thing that you walk around in while you're alive. Yeah. So there's nothing within both of those sets of religions that prevents this from happening. Yeah. Within Islam, it's a slightly more complex argument Hmm. uh, because it is set out. There are certain verses and quotes from the Quran that can be read in either way. Yes. There's two main schools of thought. The first one is that saving a life equates to saving all mankind. Right, okay. Um, So if you're helping somebody in whichever way you can, then that is then equates to you kind of helping the whole of humanity because it's a kind of multiple effect, I guess. Okay, yeah. The other school of thought is that something like organ donation compromises the special honour that was given by God to man and it can't be allowed at any cost. So you are given your body as a gift from God Mm. and you shouldn't alter that in any way. Okay, all right. So that's the two kind of extreme ends. There are in-betweens where you can, with any religion, you can go to your local religious leader, whoever you are comfortable talking to about yeah. about this from your religious establishment to find out what they think on this. But there can be shades of grey within this as well. But we have to differentiate between religious beliefs and cultural beliefs mm-hmm. uh, islam i can see the issues within their structural belief system yeah but for our communities the hindu and sikh communities especially as it hasn't said anything in the scriptures regarding it there's still this whole issues within cultural beliefs which 
enable them not to go through with this process. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that just comes down to like... Ignorance? F- ignorance and the fear of it as well. Yeah, but what are you really going to fear? Because you're going to be dead. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's the unknown of what's on the other side. What, as in what, the- what tools do you need to take with you? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where it comes from. Now I've got from. no eyes. Well, exactly. If you give you if you give your eyes away, mm. what, what happens on the other side? Can you not see? Yeah, I remember. I remember Chris Rock uh, back in the nineties did a stand up special, "Bring the Pain," and he was talking about organ donation in there, and it was just like a funny thing, you know. No black people want to be an organ donor because now it's like, no, I've got no eyes now, and then all of a sudden they find ways to bring you back to life, <laughs> and it's like now I've got no eyes. But it um, okay. That's back in the nineties, and that's a ridiculous scenario. Yeah, but. I've heard people within our communities talk about being cremated and not having their organs on them. And they're not going to look whole because there's parts of them that are going to be missing. And then what are they going to say during my wake? That's insane. See, my body's going to be burnt after I'm dead. Yeah. But it has to be burnt with all the bits in. Yeah, exactly. Just in case. Just in case, yeah, on the oh, other side. Because it looks nice. The thing, honestly, it's all... No I, one looks nice when they're dead. I've seen dead bodies that don't look nice when they're dead. Everyone no. looks different. You will, will always look different. But it's mad that in living and dead, people are still worried about what other people think. Yeah. The, it's insane. The superficiality continues when you're dead as well. Yeah. Like I will say, I'll be honest in saying that organ donation is something that I haven't really tackled from a self-perspective on what the right and the wrong thing to do is. The right thing to do would probably be becoming an organ donor. Yeah, you haven't tackled, I think, more the idea of it yeah. and what you want to do because I'm very firm in what I want to do. You are very firm in it. And I have been since forever, I think. For, like For a long, long time, I've been very, very adamant about what I would want to do. But I didn't actually know that your next of kin still has a potential say in the final decision when it comes to organ donation. Yeah. So you can make it really clear that you want to donate your organs. Mm-hmm. So Which you, you have done yeah. incessantly. So I I carry a donor card. I'm on the donor register. That's all done. Mm-hmm. And I've made it clear to you as my next of kin yep. that that's what I would like. You can have these discussions with your uh, healthcare professionals as well, so with the doctors or your GP. You can tell them that that's what you would want to do as well. So there's a note made on your records. Mm-hmm. However, okay, the family, although they can't veto it because it's a legal thing that you've done, that you've said, you've stated clearly somewhere yeah. that you wanted to donate, there can still be cases where medical professionals won't allow your donation to go ahead because it will cause distress to the family right okay so basically if they kick up enough fuss it might not happen despite what you have asked for right could this be another reason for the low number of organ donations within our community as well potentially because if someone says religious religious reasons instantly that will stop yeah i think people will be very hesitant to go against someone's religious beliefs but also has religious beliefs been used as like a scapegoat sometimes for these situations well that's what i'm trying to get at yeah Yeah. i think that's an easy excuse to use and when you think about it if you're having a discussion with a doctor about a relative's organs being donated it's a really emotional time yeah absolutely yeah you're not thinking practically you're not, Everything's really heightened. Yeah, you know? like you, you're just you're really emotional. You're really sad about the fact the fact that you're going to be losing this person, and you don't mm. want to think about bits of them being given away. Yeah, yeah, cut out and given away. Yeah, yeah, in essence, yeah. And so you do whatever you have to do to make it not happen, I guess. Yeah, I suppose it's still a, a part of them. And it's, again, people need to get into their heads about, especially within our communities, the soul, and it's a soul that moves on, and the body. Is, is just a vessel. Yeah, absolutely, within the Sikh and Hindu communities. And within the Sikh and he- Hindu communities, there's also this concept of seva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seva is the, a selfless service. Yeah. And we've watched lots of videos about this recently. Mm-hmm. There's community leaders, religious leaders from all the main temples and things saying the same thing. Yeah. There is no bigger service that you can do than to give an organ. Yeah while you're alive or after you die yeah yeah it is 
the ultimate selfless service Mm -hmm. helping someone else continue their life yeah and i think that's the right way to do it yeah and within islam Mm -hmm. there is that school of thought that if you save a life you're saving humanity yeah and that is a very similar concept of doing something so selfless and helping somebody and saving their life yeah that allows then them to continue through life and make their impact on the humankind yeah yeah absolutely but there is like unfortunately more and more cases of people needing organ donation within our communities i'm Uh seeing every day i'm seeing newer newer plights unfortunately from families and members trying to highlight the cause of organ donation within people within their families yeah and personally speaking my best friend needed a kidney transplant yeah absolutely so she was diagnosed with a kidney problem when we were in sixth form wow long time ago yeah so this problem runs in her family her dad had died of it her auntie had passed away from it as well and she got diagnosed with it i think it was late sixth form or early uni years that around that time and she managed it up until a point they started to fail so she had to go on to dialysis She was on dialysis when uh, when we were getting married. Yeah. Around that time. And then just after we got married, she got a donor. Fantastic. So that was four years ago. It's taken her four years now to get back on track and to kind of recover from it. It's not an instant recovery. No, of course, it's a long period. The whole donation process takes time, obviously, to find the donor. Then for the operation, recovery from the operation, mm-hmm. there's the getting your body used to it. So as we mentioned with Kaya Patel, your body can start to attack yeah new new parts of you that are added to you as well so you know they had to suppress her immune system and then build that back up again so it's been a very long slow process but she got her donor Mm. and she's pakistani background so it was very hard to find somebody that was that was going to match but luckily she managed to find someone yeah yeah it's sometimes it is a, a long long process waiting period and obviously like these are people in their 20s and 30s but we're hearing so many cases of really young children yeah. two two years old three years old four exactly. years old going through the same issues and the same problems so what is basically being done within our communities to to raise awareness and actually push things forward just recently we saw a video that was actually organized by the swaminarayan mandir and they were talking about the organization within their community they've got a massive outreach of people massive audience of people also and they're trying to use their measures to raise awareness and exposure of such a massive issue within their communities and you know we saw some Hare Krishna devotees in this video as well so what they're trying to do is they're trying to bridge communities bridge across all the different communities to come together to highlight this massive issue because not enough is being done within households and families and talking about it amongst themselves and so so it's great to see that they're actively encouraging people within their community to register to be organ donors because it is a massive inherent problem Um, in addition to that we spoke about the nhs blood and transplant and they're going to invest six hundred thousand pounds to promote deceased donation in black and asian communities and that's almost 23 percent of the entire organ donation marketing budget they've also invested eighty two thousand five hundred pounds in the bame transplant alliance the nbta so they can continue commissioning living transplant initiatives aimed at black and asian communities it's brilliant that people are trying now actively yeah. to make this a less taboo issue mm. and something that we openly discuss. No one likes to discuss death. No, exactly. No one likes to have to deal with these issues. No one wants to think about a loved one being ill. Yeah, yeah. You don't just have to donate when when you die as well. You can do living donation. Mm. So when somebody needs a kidney you can donate one of your kidneys and live very happily and very healthily yeah. on one kidney. Yeah, this is one of the things that we're speaking about in the Swami Narayan video, where there was a mother and daughter couple talking about the fact that the daughter donated a kidney to a mother and there's no issues or problems going forward. And you can have a perfectly normal existence with one kidney. Yeah. And it's enabled her family member to have a longer, more prolonged life. Yeah. And there was a um, a nephew and an uncle. Yeah. And they were saying in that that his actual parents weren't an actual match, 
but his uncle was. And so there's people within your extended family that can also help you going forward. It's all at the same time. Exactly. You can't rely on your immediate family to be the right genetic donor for you. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. So unfortunately, yes, the first people that they will test will be family members if they're willing to be tested. Yeah. But they might not be a match. Mm. In which case, you will have to look beyond that, whether that's extended family or just your community in general. Yeah. That's why it's very, very important to be open to the idea of helping somebody. Yeah. And it just comes back to the sewa, which is what we spoke about before, and also dan, which is the giving selflessly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it is such a selfless act Mm. to then give something of yours that somebody else needs more yeah that can benefit from once i'm dead what am i going to do with my eyes or my liver or my heart or my kidneys or various other bits of me well we're we're being cremated (laughs) so there literally is no use for any of these things but this is a discussion that we've had because i i carry my donor card yes and i you know on my driving license my provisional driving license (laughs) i have stated that i will be a full donor But I know that you aren't so comfortable with the idea of it. Yeah, I think it's more because, like like we spoke about, people haven't really addressed it. And addressing something so, not severe, but an important decision, Mm -hmm. I guess, in life, like organ donation. And and I've been probably one of those that can be blamed to brush things under the carpet and not have to deal with it directly. And so maybe this is something that I do need to start thinking about more intent because now I'm probably of that age where midway through my life now. And so anything can happen. So I do need to start thinking about these things. And and if I can help people going forward, then it's something that I will actively now look to do. I know my dad is always talking about organ donation. Uh, but my mum's always kind of ridiculed him saying that, well, you know, none of your organs work anyway. So who's gonna actually going to end up <laughs> wanting them? Um, but, you know, he, he wants to donate his body to the sciences. Um, and I know your dad also spoke about something like this as well. So there are people within our elder community that are, are now thinking outside of their cultural beliefs yeah. and trying to enable themselves to help people more and more. And I think that needs to filter through to our generation and especially our younger generation. It's never too young to think about this stuff. Yeah. I started, I, as I said, I've always been very, very adamant that I want to be a donor. And that started from the age of about 16, 17. Yeah. When yeah. we were, we had a discussion about it in school. Hmm. And I think from then I've seen the importance of it. I've what am I going to do with these bits of me when I'm dead? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If they can be useful to somebody, if they're healthy and fit enough and uh, to be used, then take them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Give someone else life. Give multiple people healthy lives. Take yeah. my lungs. I don't need them. Yeah, it's like the sad plight of young Ari Patel, but he managed to help out seven different children from his organs. So imagine the impact that's had, not only on those seven people but also all the people that know them their families their parents exactly amazing and the lives that they will then go on to to maybe create as well themselves going forward yeah because of this young boy yeah it's an amazing thing that you can do but i feel like there needs to be a more willingness to discuss these things because it inevitably means that we're discussing what happens to us when we die yeah yeah and no one likes the idea of dying no one likes the idea of their loved one dying. No, exactly. And it's always a very difficult situation and a very difficult conversation to have. But it also, there's a lot of, you know, superstitions as well. We're talking about dying. Oh, no, don't talk about that kind of thing, you know, because there's a superstitious notion about yeah. talking about death as well. Tempting fate Tempting and all that. Tempting fate, etc., which means that culturally we shouldn't be talking about death, which is, again, just crazy. Yeah, I- Everyone has their beliefs and you're welcome to follow them. But try and also maintain an open mind. Yes. And try and be practical. Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to death, there's lots of practicalities that need to be considered. Hmm. Not just organ donation. There's things like having a will and 
getting your finances in order and all those things, yeah. they all need to be done. Mm, yeah, of course. And that can happen at any stage. You you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you step out your door. Absolutely. You also don't know what's going to happen within your within your home. You just don't know what's going to happen in life. Yeah. So if you can feel prepared that you won't leave too much of a burden of decision making on your family because they will be emotional and they will be upset. Of course. Then you've done your bit to make their lives a bit easier after you've passed on. Yeah. That's how I see it anyway. And for families within our community, please respect the decision of those members that have decided to or donate their organs going forward, living or deceased, because that is a massive, important life decision. I've got my donor card. If you decided to veto that and cite religious reasons... I can't do anything about it. I'm dead by that point. No, you'll haunt me for the rest of my life, <laughs> well, to be you honest. you know, if I can, then I will, yes. But I've made my decision and you should respect that. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. if it's important enough for me to put my name down, actively go out and put my name down on the register, that means that that's what I want to do. Yeah. And unless I've said that I've changed my mind, you have to respect those wishes. No, no, absolutely. I will do. We'll see. I will do. Yes. Yes. Thank <laughs> yes, you very I much. Will. I will. But I do want to say that it is improving within our community. Mm. So in 2013, there were 6,700 people on the Asian people on the organ donor register. Okay, wow, that's that's not a massive amount at all. It's bugger all. Yeah. By 2015, that had increased to 11,500. Oh, it almost doubled. Yeah. And then in 2017-18, it has gone up to 15,000. Okay, so we're seeing a real significant increase in the last five or six years. So it is increasing amongst Asians. Yeah. However, that still only makes up 3.3% of the total number of people on the organ donor register. Oh, wow. So only 3%... Of people are Asian that are registered to donate their organs. Well, that's that's. It's tiny. Yeah. It's especially given your stats earlier on about how many people actually need. Yeah, thirty-five percent need organs. Yeah. So there's a massive disparity there. Hmm. Overall, there's one point three million people on the organ donor register. And we're only making up a few thousand of those. Yeah. But when you think about it. The total population of the UK is around about 64 million. Oh, shit, wow. So there's it, there's a huge, just generally within society, there's a huge disparity mm. between the number of people that are on the register, yeah, the number of people that live within the UK, and the number of people that will eventually need to have some sort of organ donation yeah, at some yeah. point in their lives. So there needs to be an overall improvement, but massively so within the Asian community and within the black community who only make up 1% of the, the Yes, the, even the register. less, yeah. absolutely. So there, there's got to be a huge drive now to push this forward. And there is an argument for an opt-out rather than an opt-in. Right, okay. Yeah, so the, so the default would be that you're an organ donor yeah. when you go through the process. And, and a lot of countries have adopted that. Hmm. And personally, I think that's the right way to do it. Hmm, yeah. But it's about respecting the wishes, obviously. Yeah, of the person. and there's the whole nanny state kind of argument where people are like, the government tells you to do too much, yeah, you know, and they have too much interference in your life. Mm. But not when it's there for the betterment and the help of other people. Exactly, and I think you're if you hold that opinion, it would very quickly change if you were the one to need an organ, or if a family member of yours was to need an organ. I think that's that's the biggest thing. You know, you never really know the severity of a situation until you're going through it yourself. And because we know people in life that unfortunately had to go through needing organs and being on waiting lists and having to wait a very long time to get them, you never really know the trauma and the the issues and the pain that people experience during that period. Exactly. And so it's easy enough for us to sit here and talk about these things, uh, about whether to be an organ donor or not. Some people don't even have that choice. Exactly. And I think that that's why this issue needs to be forefront now, I think within our communities it's very very important yeah and we need to do something about it yeah it's up there with i remember when thylacemia became such a massive issue and the fact that people weren't talking about that within the bame communities and how there was a massive drive and awareness made to alert people of the problems within this disease because it's specifically within ethnic minorities yes 
and now with organ donation it's a it's a problem that's universal yeah but with our, within our communities it's still such a not just a taboo subject it's one that's rarely even touched on and the numbers obviously back that up as well at the same time so there needs to be more of a drive there needs to be more of of an awareness raised people are doing campaigns and we're seeing more and more things out there on social media and on tv and on on the internet but it's about talking about it within your households within your families within the people in and around your community because until people are addressing it front on it's always going to be one of those issues that's brushed under the carpet and never really addressed until it's actually too too late Exactly. So get talking to your family members, get talking to your parents, get talking to your other half, you know, your siblings, whoever, your kids, get talking to them and make this an open discussion. Yeah. And encourage as much as you possibly can, wherever you can, however you can as well at the same time. Absolutely. For more information, you can check out organdonation.nhs.uk and it will give you more facts and figures, how you can be involved and what you need to do in order to go through an organ donation process. And actually, if you click on that link, if you go to that website, the first couple of articles that come up are about needing donors from all communities. Right. Okay. And also about religion and what different religions have to say about organ donation. Yeah, I think they've recognised that it is an inherent problem. Uh, and there's a lot of cultural beliefs, there's a lot of religious beliefs. But if you can help save somebody's life then surely then that's the most important thing and you're doing the most you can to receive not just spiritual enlightenment but actually a rewarding fulfilling existence thereafter exactly exactly you know. do have a look on that website and find out some more information and arm yourself with that yeah absolutely get involved encourage other people and get donating <laughs> Right, well, that's the end of another episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all again next week, people. Peace. See you.